It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the moment last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning and welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian, and this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and counseling. Each week, we like to bring you up-to-date research and information on how balanced nutrition can change your life. Have you ever thought about that? That nutrition could change your life. Many of our clients have thought that and found it to be true. But not only do we change the lives of our clients and our class participants and sometimes our families. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> They're the hardest to change, I think. I think so. But we also change the lives of people we just happen to meet, like Delane. So Delane works for TV 12 News here in the Minnesota Twin Cities. And he has interviewed myself. Joanne and Brittany, some of our other dietitians, several times for his health segment. Over the course of the past year, he put into practice all the tips that we've been giving during these interviews, and he made his nutrition a priority by cutting back on sugar and processed carbs and eating balanced meals and snacks throughout the day. So along with these changes, he also started working out several times a week. And so far, so I got to see him a month or two ago and he has lost 30 pounds it's amazing amazing and he just says he has so much more energy and i saw him and i thought gosh he looks different because i hadn't seen him in a while right but he just he looks great and he didn't even have a nutrition consult he didn't even have interviewed you girls a few times interviews us and i said well what'd you do and he goes well i just started doing what you guys keep telling me to do (laughs) that is an amazing story and congratulations delaine if you're listening and if people want to find out more about the tips and tricks that that he's heard over these past TV segments, you can see these TV interviews if you go to our website. So if you go to weightandwellness.com, you'll be on the homepage. Just click on the t- tab that says blog, and then you'll see a tab that says in the news. And there you can find those TV segments that were done right. here locally on our local channel 12 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And we also want to let listeners know that the last week of July, Nutritional Weight and Wellness will be having its midsummer product sale. So all of our private label NutriKey products will be 15% off. So that's a really good deal. I know. I emailed my friends to let them know. I saw that um, here about a week ago. I think we got the the word. The word, yeah. That we had 15% off. So awesome. Again, that's just July 24th through the 31st. And that can be online. So if people are out of state listening to the podcast, they can order stuff online. You can also order in-store. And that's just the NutriKey products, everything from fish oil to our whey protein powder. Bifido. Bifido. Even the Weight and Wellness Cookbook. All of it's going to be 15% off. We love a good summer sale. We do love a good summer sale. Now, the voice that you're hearing with me is Miss Cassie Weenus, registered and licensed dietitian. And Cassie, we have an interesting topic today, something we've never covered before. I know. I love the title. (laughs) 
Alcohol is not a health food. <laughs> it is certainly is not. We need to stop though a minute because I didn't do my regular routine. We're getting a little off. We are. You better do that. I know. Hello to those two biggest fans of mine listening back home. Hello to Riley, my 10-year-old, and Marissa, my 8-year-old. And I have, I, I guess I can't say a new fan. I have a, a lifelong fan, but a new listener that is listening. Good morning, Mom. Oh. Yeah, my dad figured out how to, I think he's live streaming us from the 107.1 FM website. The best I could figure the way he described it. Anyway, so she's been listening on Saturdays. So, uh Welcome to the show. It's going to be a great one. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yes. Welcome to Cassie's mom. Right. Cassie, do your kids ever make you feel stressed out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those are the days when I say, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to run away. <laughs> now, have you ever had a day where you felt stressed out, maybe from the kids, maybe from work or just life, and you've thought, gosh, a glass of wine would just make me feel so much better right now? <laughs> you know, honestly, I... I have to say no. I, for me, if I have a glass of wine, I either get really sleepy or I get a really bad headache, depending on the day and the brand of the wine. But that being said, I have relatives I know of that need that wine or that cold can of beer at the end of the day to sort of unwind and and Mm -hmm. de-stress. And when I was seeing clients at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, I can't even count the number of clients that describe their nightly routine to me of that cocktail or that beer to help them unwind. And I don't know what you think, but I think here in Minnesota in the summer, it's one of the hardest times for people to cut back on alcohol or to abstain from alcohol. Yes. Right? It's nice weather. People are going to the lake cabin and it seems like somebody's mixing up a cocktail if you're at the lake cabin or people are out on a patio at a restaurant on a weekend and, and their friends are ordering drinks. It's just... Or if you're like me, you ended up at a Twins game last night. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me that. I know. Well, I got to save something for the right? show. <laughs> and then the beer guy is coming by yelling at you. Yeah, ya. peanuts, beer. beer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who won? Uh, we did not win. Oh, okay. We'll just put it that Usual. way. Usual. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> so it's nice to unwind and maybe have that beer, the cocktail uh, at the cabin. But is it healthy to have, you know, a nightly alcoholic beverage? Or are there negative health effects to having that glass of wine or even just a few extra beers on the weekend? Well, that's a question we're going to answer this morning. And I, I want to start with... Something that I know pretty much every listener has heard. Here's the statement. Wine is heart healthy. How many times have you had a client say to you, aren't I supposed to be drinking wine? Isn't it healthy or haven't we all seen it on certain doctor shows? Yes. 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 A couple different ones I can think of. Mm -hmm. You know, and then they'll come up with the argument, um, you know, people in France drink wine every day or people in Italy drink wine every day and they're healthier than Americans well, we could argue that point that right, a lot of French do drink wine every day and a lot of them are healthier than the average American. But that wine piece is only one little piece to a very big puzzle because there's a lot of other lifestyle factors that they are participating in that we don't. Mm-hmm. And for today's show, we're going to help listeners piece together some of the nutrition information about alcohol and cravings, alcohol and weight gain, alcohol and cancer. And 
alcohol and the over-exaggerated connection between red wine and heart health. I love that you used that word over-exaggerated. And let's start there. You know, there is some research out there on alcohol, specifically red wine, as it relates to heart disease. And red wine contains a compound called resveratrol, and that's what gives red grapes their color. It's a really powerful antioxidant, and that just means that it helps eat up inflammation in our bodies. You know, and the studies that are out there are a little inconclusive when you read them. It it does seem to suggest when you read through this research that drinking what I would call moderate amounts of red wine every day, so one to two gla- glasses every day, the research is indicating that it can increase good cholesterol for some people. That's your HDL cholesterol. The research is in indicating that it can reduce your risk of blood clots. And there's some research showing that that daily wine can reduce inflammation in your blood vessels. Now, I question that one because I've seen the opposite with certain individuals in clinical practice. Oh, sure. Where if they're drinking alcohol regularly, that is constricting the blood vessels and causing the blood pressure to go up. So my thought here, as I've looked at some of this inconclusive research, is it's very individual, right? I think because this we is all, where the, yeah, we all have our own unique biochemistry. So while wine daily might help reduce inflammation in blood vessels for some people, I think for a lot of people, it's going to do the opposite. It's it's that genetic factor, right? And of course, these health benefits are not actually that statistically significant. So again, we say. Yeah, maybe there's a little bit of research showing a mild benefit, but oftentimes it's not very statistically significant. Right. And when you consider that neither the American Heart Association nor the National Lung or the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute recommend taking up wine drinking to prevent heart disease, you can probably guess that neither do we. No, no, we don't. And, you know, when you look at the research on resveratrol, that's that compound you just mentioned, Brenna, that is really the the super healthy piece in the red wine. First of all, most of the research been, has been done on mice and other small animals. So there's always that questionable piece as to whether or not that extrapolates to us humans. But besides that, I always find this laughable. When you read this research, The amount of resveratrol that they gave these little mice was astronomical. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But they did find in the research, several research studies, that high doses of resveratrol helps these animals from getting, helps protect them from getting obesity and diabetes, which of course are risk factors, right, for for heart heart disease. disease. (laughs) But to get that same dose, this is where I always giggle a little bit. To get that same dose of resveratrol used in these studies, you or I would have to drink a thousand liters, not just glasses, a thousand liters, a thousand liters of wine every day. <laughs> I could you drink that much? No, nobody could drink that much. No. Uh, so before we keep going with that, is it probably just time for us to oh, go to our first I break? Suppose. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and if you haven't guessed yet, today's hot topic is alcohol is not a health food. Now, there is a group of people for whom alcohol is definitely not a health food. It's simply just toxic, and that group is made up of fetuses. Right. Little babies. Little tiny 
babies that are yet to be born. So while many people are aware that drinking alcohol while pregnant can put a baby at risk for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or fetal alcohol syndrome, FAS, the physical and mental symptoms are most severe when the mother has consumed alcohol either over a long period of time during the pregnancy or in several binge drinking episodes. Now, sometimes people wonder if they can have just a few drinks while pregnant and still give birth to a perfectly healthy baby. Well, when we come back from break, Cassie and I will look at what the research says. If you have questions for us, call the studio today at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cassie Wienis, registered and licensed dietitian. Today's topic, if you're just joining us, is alcohol is not a health food. Now, before break, Brenna mentioned that one group that should not drink is pregnant women. We realize oftentimes women might drink during their first trimester because they don't know yet that they're pregnant, but certainly once you know you're pregnant, it's important to abstain from alcohol, or I would even say if you're trying to get pregnant, just abstain from alcohol. Why not err on the side of caution? Now, when you look at the research, binge drinking, which would make sense, binge drinking appears to be the most harmful to that growing baby, and it really puts that baby at high risk for developmental problems, not just physically, but intellectually and socially too. And if you're wondering what the definition of binge drinking is, it is having at least four drinks. So four drinks or more within a two-hour period. Think of college. (laughs) No, not me, mom. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's, of course, very dangerous to the person, but dangerous to a, a growing baby. Now, there are some studies out there that show low-level alcohol consumption is bad as well, and that was linked, that low-level alcohol consumption was linked more to miscarriages or stillbirths. Bottom line, when we looked at all of the research, there there's insufficient evidence, really, to define what a safe amount of alcohol consumption during pregnancy is, so why not just not do not it? drink? Not do it. If you're planning on becoming pregnant or if you are pregnant, just don't drink. And if you have questions for Brenna or I today, you can call us here at the studio at 651-641-1071. There was a caller that didn't want to go on air, right? Right. Yep. And she just wanted to know, well, what if I want to have my one, I think it was gin and soda or Or vodka, vodka, vodka soda, or something, something. soda, vodka, water on the weekend. And it's a great question. question. Right. And how I would answer and you can chime in, Brenna, but I would say, depending upon your personal health and wellness goals, that might be fine. Now, that said, especially because it was a woman caller, I'm going to ask, are you trying to lose weight? Because we have seen it time and again, if people are trying to lose weight, that that vodka that wine that beer on the weekend is not going to help you at all you know when we look at wine for example um two glasses and a glass is defined as five ounces right don't fill this it is, up to the top this is not like you go to restaurants and you get a glass and depending upon where you're at they give you a glass of wine or you go somewhere else and they give you a goblet of wine. Oh my gosh. If you go back to small town, I mean, I'm from small, small, small town. You're from small, 
Smaller. No, Cedar Falls no, isn't that small. Weren't. No, that's right. I was, there for, I was there for soccer in yeah. the spring, wasn't I? It was pretty big. Well, go back to where I was from. If they hand you a wine glass and they start filling it up, they fill it up to the very top. Yeah. That's more than five ounces. But if we're truly talking about two glasses of wine, we're saying two five-ounce glasses of wine. So that's a little over a cup. That's about 250, 200. Somewhere between 200 calories, and Somewhere in there, somewhere. yeah. 200 calories that are not going to fill you up. No, they'll probably give you the munchies. They do. And 200 calories every night will quickly add up and could lead to a weight gain of maybe 5 pounds, maybe 10, maybe 15, maybe 20 pounds in a year just from that nightly glass or two of wine. That you thought was so innocent. Yes. Now, I know where the minds of some people are going right now. They're thinking, okay, well... I'm just going to eat 200 calories less with my dinner and keep drinking my wine every night. Well, think again, because this is not just a numbers game. Alcohol, whether it's from wine or beer or hard liquor, it makes your body more insulin resistant. And if you're insulin resistant, it basically means you're going to store your calories as fat very easily rather than burn them for energy. And so that weight gain happens fast even if you're trying to cut those 200 calories from a dinner meal or a lunch meal. Or just the entire day. Right. And this is really interesting biochemically. And long-time listeners of Dishing Up Nutrition know how eating carbohydrates will turn to sugar in our bodies. And that sugar triggers our pancreas to make insulin. So we can get that sugar into our cells and then hopefully use it for energy. Exactly. And even though we often classify these adult beverages we're talking about as carbs because, you know, wine is made from grapes. Grapes are a carbohydrate. Or we might talk about beer that has grains in it, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it's made. Grains are the carbohydrate. But when we look at the alcohol itself, that's not a carb, so it doesn't turn into sugar. But alcohol still tells your pancreas to make insulin, Over time, making all of this insulin from your nightly cocktail and your cells get tired of all of that circulating insulin. I always think of it as the boy that cried wolf. You know, you (laughs) cry wolf too many times. Nobody's going to look, listen. Well, if you're constantly drinking that alcoholic beverage, making your pancreas make this extra insulin that you don't need, your cells get tired of it and they say, I'm not even going to listen to it. And then you become insulin resistant. Another way to visualize it is to think of it, insulin resistance, I mean, to think of it as your muscle cells have built this strong brick wall around themselves and that keeps the insulin out or keeps it from working, basically. That's a, both of those are really good examples there. And I don't know about you or other people out there, but maybe when you have a drink, you have a snack. Or a meal. And oftentimes that is going to be something that's going to be very carb heavy, like pizza, a burger and fries, pasta. Or if you're at the ball game, it's going to be a brat with the bun or I don't know what else. Now they've got like these like pretzel things there, like these those big, huge. No, they're like these pretzel bites that are covered in sugar. Oh, gross. Or mini donuts. And I'm just going, okay. We got some insulin resistance going on here. Really? Yes. Do you look around and see <laughs> insulin resistance? Lots of insulin resistance. Or maybe your alcohol 
especially if it's more of like a hard alcohol is mixed with soda or juice. And now we're getting an insulin release both from the carbs from the juice or the soda or the carbs from the pizza, but also that insulin release because of the alcohol. Yes. So you get the double whammy. And then, I mean, think of it if you are an insulin resistant person, then the sugar from the carbs can't get into your cells to be used for energy. Remember, there's that brick wall now around your muscle cells, but that sugar can't stay in your bloodstream forever either. So your body says, oh, can't get it into the muscle cells. I'm just going to dump it into fat stores. And that fat is typically stored around our middle. Perhaps you're familiar with the term beer belly. We've all heard that term before, and we can all imagine the physique of a (laughs) beer belly, right? But honestly, a beer belly could just as easily be a wine belly or a margarita belly, or we could call it a gin and tonic tummy. So now you see why, even if you cut down on calories, drinking wine or any alcoholic beverage frequently will make you more insulin resistant and likely to store fat around your middle. Cassie. Have you ever found that drinking wine or cocktails would cause you to not sleep? Oh my gosh, absolutely that disrupts my sleep. And I want to talk more about that and the whys behind it when we come back from this commercial break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before we go to break, here's a question I want you to think about. Do you find yourself driving home from work craving that nightly glass of wine or that cold can of beer? If you do, maybe what you really need is an afternoon snack. If you skipped that afternoon snack, then you probably have a really low blood sugar driving home from work, and that can set you up to be hungry. If you're like me, it can make you a little crabby, and it can leave you craving either food or alcohol. So if you are that person that often can't wait to get home and have your cocktail or your can of beer, I have a potential solution. Try packing a balanced snack to eat before you leave work, or maybe you want to eat it while you're sitting in rush hour traffic. And when we come back from break, Brenna will share a great afternoon snack idea. And if you have questions for us about alcohol or your diet or nutrition in general, call us here at the studio at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian, here with Cassie Wienis, also a registered and licensed dietitian. Today we're discussing all things alcohol. Do you find yourself rushing home at night, impatient to pour yourself a drink? Maybe what you really need is a snack. Try eating this perfectly balanced snack before you leave for work so that you arrive home in a better mood with fewer alcohol cravings. I like to call it a Bloody Mary in a bag. That's awesome. (laughs) So just grab yourself a small Ziploc bag or some other little container that you keep around the house and pack about six to ten olives in there, green or black, whatever you like. And that's going to be your healthy fat. And then add in maybe half a cup of some cherry tomatoes for your carbohydrate. Which are coming into season right yes. now. Yum. You could also maybe do like some of those little mini cucumbers or some pickles in there. So those are your real carbs. And then add in an ounce of cheese and an ounce of nitrate-free salami for your real proteins. So you've got your real fat with the f- olives, real carbs with the cherries, and maybe a little p- pickle. And then your proteins with a little cheese and a little salami. If you eat that before you leave work or while you're driving home, you will get home 
And you may not need that glass of wine. No, because your blood sugars will be balanced. And I'm sure some people are thinking, what? What are you talking about? But once you start eating this way in balance, like you're talking about, Brenna, protein, carb, healthy fat, if you ever do have cravings, just think back. What meal or snack did I miss? Now, for me, I never crave alcohol And I rarely have food cravings anymore, but I used to have awful cravings. Mm -hmm. And I quickly learned to think back a few hours. What did I, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Because there's a connection there. Well, and I can honestly say that I have had times where I've been driving home and I'm just going, oh, a glass of wine just sounds really good. (laughs) And then 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 you stop and think. And I think, why, why am I wanting this? And literally I eat dinner and I don't care. Because there you go. You it was just a, a low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Or I get home and I eat something and then I go, oh, I don't actually want wine. I just needed to eat. I just need to balance my blood sugar. That's yeah. right. Interesting. And before we went to break, we were going to talk about wine or cocktails or alcohol in general causing us to not sleep. Yes. And you asked me if I have found that connection. Absolutely. You know, it's something happens as we get older. Cause back in college, I don't think it affected me or you didn't um, notice <laughs> or I didn't notice and I didn't have and as many responsibilities, I suppose. But you know, now I just know if I'm going to have more than one glass of wine, I'm not going to sleep well. And so I rarely, rarely do that. Now we were at a wedding in May. My husband's good friend got married and I had two glasses of wine and, you know, I, I knew full well what was going to happen, but it was a big celebration that, you know, yeah, those things don't happen very often, but I did not sleep well that night. And I know a lot of nutritional weight and wellness clients have found this to be true for, for themselves, that maybe they're fun with, fine with one glass of wine or one cocktail in the evening, but if they have two or more, maybe they fall asleep okay, but then... 2 a.m., 3 a.m. rolls around and their eyes pop open and they're wide awake. Right. And not to sound like we never drink, because I can honestly say that I certainly have most weekends a glass or two of wine. But I have just learned that my sleep is so important. And if I have more than two two actual glasses of wine, right, not two goblets, five ounces (laughs) each glasses, it is it is that 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I'm awake and can't fall back. I can't fall back asleep or the next day. It's just that grogginess Mm -hmm. and it's so not worth it. You know, so we should explain why this happens because I think when people understand the whys behind things, they're more um, empowered to make the right changes. So why do wine and other alcoholic drinks make us sleepy, but then make us wake up at two or three in the morning and not be able to fall back asleep? And I think a lot of people kind of, I guess, kind of self-medicate they say oh, i have trouble falling asleep yes. and but i still struggle with waking up or they kind of get into this mindset and they figure out oh if i drink the wine at least i fall asleep you know my mom was doing that for a while and i said mom that's not good she was having trouble sleeping so she started having a glass of wine and she hates alcohol but she <laughs> forced it down but the, you know i made the connection for her yeah, yeah you might fall asleep but then you're up in the middle of the night And here's why. Sugary drinks like cocktails or margaritas, I mean, those are some of the worst offenders. But something like a sweet wine or a fortified wine where they add extra sugar to it is going to cause a big blood sugar spike. Now, beer can do the same thing. Yes. 
And then that big blood sugar spike causes a big blood sugar crash at about two or three in the morning. And it's that big blood sugar crash from that roller coaster ride you started yourself on that causes your brain to say, wake up. I think you need to eat. And it's not that you ever, you know, wake up at 2 a.m. thinking, I am starving. But that's what's going on inside biochemically. You've hit this rock bottom blood sugar. And so your body wakes you up thinking that you must need to eat. And instead of thinking that you need to eat, you just sit there and you go, why am I awake? This is so annoying. This is really annoying. (laughs) And I'm only going to get two more hours of sleep. And And you start getting crabby before the morning even begins. And then you find yourself cleaning the refrigerator at 4 a.m. Right. Yes. Or checking your emails. Yeah. Now, if you struggle with poor sleep or feeling groggy in the morning, consider giving up your evening cocktail hour. I've had several clients tell me that when they gave up their nightly beer or wine, they felt much less groggy in the morning. They had more energy the next day, not just in the morning, but all day. And they actually needed to drink less coffee. Mm, Right. Yes. I mean, this was a really big for... uh, I have... A client specifically who I really think of right now and he he wanted to lose weight and it wasn't until maybe our third meeting where I convinced him to give up the nightly beer and he finally did it and it was like all of a sudden he goes I have more energy the next day mm-hmm. I mean he had kind of been making the food changes he was like yeah it's kind of making a difference but just being a little putsy about it right but cutting out the beer made a huge difference Wonderful. You know, and if you have great energy during the day, it is such a blessing. I think that it can be such a motivator to not want to go back to that nightly beer or that nightly wine. Mm -hmm. So we we mentioned or we just got done describing that blood sugar up and down, that blood sugar roller coaster ride that leads to a restless night's sleep when you're drinking alcohol. But there's another reason, too, why alcohol might cause sleep problems, and it's because it can rob our bodies of calcium and magnesium. These two minerals are really important to helping us feel relaxed and getting us into that deep stage of sleep. And if you drink alcoholic beverages frequently, then you are depleting your body of these relaxing minerals. And yes, you can take a magnesium and calcium supplement, but really, why not just stop robbing your body of those nutrients? Right. And, you know, we fully get it that there are people out there listening that aren't ready or willing to give up their alcohol. But there are some of you out there that are thinking about it. I know. And I know depending on your own health goals, you might be the person that needs to give up that beer or that wine. And here are some scenarios where we would say, yes, you should think about giving up your alcohol if you struggle with poor sleep. If you have low energy, if you're struggling with up and down moods or you have depression, if you have food cravings, if you have diabetes, if you have hot flashes or if you have a history of breast cancer, then it's time to find a substitute for that alcoholic beverage. Now, wait a minute. Did you say hot flashes and breast cancer? I did. We haven't covered those two topics yet, have we? Not today, we haven't. Not yet. Well, I'm sure there are some women out there going through menopause that have already made the connection that wine or cocktails can bring on 
those hot flashes. If you're perimenopausal or menopausal and you haven't made that connection, lucky you that you're listening to today's show (laughs) because we're making that connection for you. Absolutely, the wine, the beer, the cocktails can bring on a hot flash. If you cut out the alcohol, you drastically reduce those hot flashes. There's the upside. But what is the connection? Why does alcohol cause a hot flash? Well, I know you love to know the research, Brenna, but (laughs) on this topic, unfortunately, the research has yet to determine one single reason why women experience those hot flashes after drinking, but there are a couple of theories out there. One theory supports the idea that alcohol causes a rush of adrenaline in our brain. Adrenaline is a hormone, if you didn't know, and it helps regulate our body temperature. So that surge of adrenaline that happens in our brain might be the hot flash trigger. There is also a theory that alcohol increases blood flow to the brain, making the brain hot. And if the brain is hot, then the whole body must be hot and it needs to cool off. And that triggers all of the blood vessels in your body to dilate, to get bigger, opening up and increasing blood flow everywhere. And now you are a hot, sweaty mess. Yuck. And there is a third reason out there when you start to think of the biochemistry of things. We know that alcohol increases estrogen. Now, this typically doesn't happen immediately when you drink that wine or that cocktail. But what will happen is you have a glass of wine at five in the evening at dinner with your friends. And then later, usually around bedtime, your estrogen levels fluctuate from that alcohol. And you can have a hot flash from the increasing and decreasing levels of estrogen. And we want to continue on this particular topic, but we're going to take a break first. Before we go to commercial break, I want to remind you that you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And I have yet another question Are you somebody that struggles with cravings, cravings of any kind? Maybe it's chocolate, maybe it's ice cream, maybe you crave pretzels or potato chips, or maybe you're like I was before I found nutritional weight and wellness. I craved pasta and bread. (laughs) I couldn't get enough bread. Some people crave cheese, and certainly we know that some people crave alcohol. Here's the next big question. Are your cravings getting in the way of your health? For a lot of people, cravings get in the way of them being successful at losing weight. If this sounds like you, don't turn that dial because when we come back from break, Brenna is going to have the days and locations for the upcoming Nutrition for Weight Loss series that starts this week that can help you get rid of those cravings for good. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before break, Cassie asked you, yes, you, the listener, Do you have cravings? Cravings for everything from chocolate and sugar to cheese and pasta and alcohol. Do your cravings get in the way of your health? What about your weight? If this sounds like you, then I encourage you to sign up for the Nutrition for Weight Loss series. This 12-week class will help you take charge of your cravings. Sound too good to be true? What have you got to lose but your cravings? And maybe a few pounds. Classes are one hour each week for 12 weeks, and they start in Maple Grove this Monday and on Tuesday in our St. Paul office and on Thursday at our North Oaks location as well as at the Rasmussen College in Bloomington. Now, if a weeknight class doesn't work for you, consider signing up for the Saturday morning class in North Oaks, which starts a week from today. So still need convincing? Well, this summer we are offering $75 off the class. 
Wow. $75 off. what I could go buy with that. I know. Nice savings. Now, don't wait. Give the office a call at 651-699-3438 sorry, three, three, to register or go online to our website, weightandwellness.com. And I know I mentioned the North Oaks class in there, but I believe the North Oaks class is full. Okay, so if that one the was weeknight the location near you, you full. might want to call yeah. and double check. I You could probably get on a a wait list maybe um now the saturday morning north oaks class has slots open okay so that's an option sign up for that one all right so we were talking about um the different theories behind why cocktails wine beer can bring on hot flashes i want to get back to that a little bit but first we did have a caller that didn't want to go on air and I believe their question was related to if you have, if you know you have some yeast overgrowth in your intestines or some in candida. your gut. Yeah. yeah, sometimes we call it candida. What does beer do to that? Can you drink some beer here? No, or there? you can't. <laughs> Feeds it like crazy. Feeds it like crazy. It's like fertilizer to your lawn. Yeah, it's the beer and wine, The because they are yeast fermentation, they just make it way worse. Um, if you have candida and you are unwilling <laughs> to completely give up your alcoholic beverage, then your best bet is to do more of like a hard alcohol. And I would recommend, and I know you would too, Brenna, first focus on getting rid of your candida mm-hmm. and then maybe going back to a hard alcohol here or there if you do yep. like to have your cocktails um, and you know a, a visit with a nutritional weight and wellness dietitian or nutritionist we could really set you up on a plan to wipe out that yeast but it takes some dedication and it takes some time yeah so we were talking about those different theories as to why alcohol brings on hot flashes and the last one i was mentioning and it was the fluctuations in the estrogen Mm -hmm. and before the show did you know that alcohol increased estrogen meaning that it actually puts you at risk for breast cancer isn't that interesting and an article from breastcancer.org sums up that research really, really nicely. It does. It says that women who have three alcoholic drinks per week, not three per night, but just three spread out over a week, have a 15% higher risk of breast cancer compared to women who do not drink. And it also says that drinking alcohol increases the risk of developing estrogen receptor positive breast cancers which are a more aggressive type of breast cancer. And the research shows that girls aged 9 to 15 who drink 3 to 5 drinks a week have three times the risk of developing benign breast lumps. And yes, we realize that girls aged 9 to 15 should should not should not be drinking. However, we're not naive. And And there's this study. This is what the research showed. But oh my gosh, I'm sorry, that is very, very young to me, and I never would have dreamed of taking a drink, but obviously there are some yes, girls out it there that happen. do. It does happen, and these uh, certain categories of breast lumps are associated with a higher risk of breast cancer later in life. And there haven't been a lot of studies done on drinking alcohol and the risk of recurrence of breast cancer, but I do have one in front of me that is one of the few studies that was done, and this was back in 2009 when this research was published, and it found that drinking three to four alcoholic beverages per week 
does increase the risk of reoccurrence in women who'd been diagnosed and treated for early stage breast cancer. For men and women, and yes, I said men, men and women at risk for breast cancer, put down your Moscow mule and your IPAs. You know, I can just hear Dar right now, the founder (laughs) of Nutritional Weight and Wellness. She would say that is really risky behavior to be drinking alcohol if you have had breast cancer prior because you're putting yourself at risk risk. for getting it again. Here's an idea of what you could do instead because we're not saying be antisocial. No, never. We're just saying don't drink the alcohol. So if you're having friends over and you're going to be out on your deck or if you're up at the lake cabin, take a glass, pour some fizzy club soda in it so you get that nice fizz. Add a splash of either cranberry juice or grapefruit juice and then squeeze a fresh lime into that. And you have a fun non-alcoholic cocktail so you can have something in your hand and be visiting with your friends and be social. Or if you don't want to go to that much work, you could just grab a can of Zevia. I know some of our listeners have heard of Zevia before. In fact, last week when I did the radio show, I stopped off at Whole Foods to get some (laughs) for Riley, my 10-year-old, like Zevia. Zevia is, if you don't know what it is, I'll put this in air quotes, it's a healthy type of soda. Mm -hmm. It um, is sweetened with... Stevia, which is a plant, so the leaf of the plant is sweet. So there's no corn syrup. There's no artificial sweeteners. So again, it's like a healthy soda. Um, Anyway, I was buying Riley some, and as I'm checking out at Whole Foods, the lady behind me said, is that good? I've been trying to give up my pop, and I've been thinking of switching to that. And So I told her how good it was. There's another brand out there, Brenna, that you were mentioning that I've never tried, another sort of healthier version of soda. Yeah, it's called Blue Sky, and I just found it the other week, and they have kind of their their regular line that's sweetened with sugar, but they also have a stevia line that is sweetened with stevia, and then I believe it's erythritol, which is just, it's a sugar alcohol, and I know that word alcohol (laughs) scares some people. But not... It's not not the addictive alcohol. Not the addictive alcohol. Um, the nice thing about erythritol is it doesn't necessarily cause the GI issues that other sugar alcohols like sorbitol and xylitol can cause. Nice. Yeah. So that's another option. That Blue Sky brand. If you just want to crack open something fizzy and cold while you're yes. at the lake or on the deck. And I know, like we've got a lot that we want to talk about with cravings and addiction. I don't know that we're going to get all the way through this before the end of the show. But of course, all of our listeners are probably aware that alcohol is addictive. Yes. And, you know, for anyone out there listening that has a loved one or a family member with an alcohol addiction, I think it's so important to understand that oftentimes there's a brain chemistry issue that they're struggling with. And until you address that, you can't expect them to be successful, there is something different about their ba- brain chemistry. And here's an interesting piece to know. Alcohol binds with GABA receptors and stimulates a dopamine release. That's a brain chemical. So it stimulates a dopamine release in our brain, and this makes us feel calm and relaxed. And it's these brain chemical reactions which become addictive. And, you know, we just really want to, I guess, kind of, let people know that that addiction is hard to overcome. It is, but nutrition can help. And um, if you're trying to overcome an addiction, certainly you need help from a professional organization, a counselor, but making an appointment with somebody at Nutritional Weight and Wellness can also help address that brain chemistry piece through the power of real food. 
And be sure to tune in next week to listen to Carolyn, Joanne, and Nell discuss the recent Biggest Loser research from earlier this spring. We hope that everybody has a happy and healthy weekend. Yes, have a great weekend and make healthy choices. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.